Hey guys, I'm Pauline Ponders. There's something about coffee shops that always gives me a sense of comfort and stillness. Even with the customers rushing in and out, it has always been a true sanctuary for me where I can let my many thoughts flow. It is also a place where I've connected with the most amazing people, and many of those people I've met are a big reason of why I'm here with you today. Sometimes when life gets too busy, too hectic, and overwhelming, it prevents us from remembering to take a deep breath, to be still, and to be present. Here on Pause, Sip, and Ponder, we are doing just that. Join me and my guests as we talk about everything and anything and the aim to give you some encouragement and some thoughts for you to ponder on. So if you're ready, sit down, relax, and let's just ponder. Hello, Ponders. Welcome back to another episode of Positive and Ponder, a podcast where we talk about everything and anything in the aim to give you some inspiration, some motivation, some encouragement. And if you can't tell by my name already, uh, this is a podcast where we give you questions that hopefully gets you thinking. And the question that I have for you guys today is, what are you afraid of? What are some fears that you have? You know, we definitely live in a time of uncertainty. Um, We have a lot of anxiety towards the unknown. And it's not even just right now. I think we had it before all of this happened. We have fears towards simple things like spiders or just towards certain scenarios, people. And you know that we all have different types of monsters under our beds or our closets, if you want to say it like that. But today in this episode, we are going to confront them. And guys, I'm super excited about today's episode. You have no idea. Joining me today is one of my all-time favorite content creators, Mike Corey, and on his YouTube channel, Fearless and Far, he explores different unknown locations around the world, challenging himself um, and inspiring other people and trying different experiences that can be uncomfortable. And you can also catch him on BBC's The Travel Show. So welcome, Mike. Hopefully I introduced you well enough. Did I miss anything? (laughs) It was perfect. I need you as my hype woman. (laughs) I'm so glad. I'm so happy that you're here today. And I'm sure a lot of people will really um, admire you being here and taking the time to do this. But before we move on, I just wanted to kind of uh, ask you some other questions just to start up, just like a warm up. Where did your passion for traveling starts? And where was the first place that you visited and why? Mm. Well, my story is a little bit of a complicated one because I didn't really grow up on the road. So I'm from rural Canada, right above Maine, um, actually the state of Maine, the, the province is called New Brunswick. And so um, if you're familiar with Maine or if you're familiar with New Brunswick, it's basically just a giant forest. And people come here for vacation, maybe to go some fishing, uh, see the ocean, but there's not a lot of exciting things that happen in this part of the world, even though it is beautiful. So for myself, I grew up playing in that forest a lot. And the only th- the connection I have, I guess, for myself from then until now is that I was always fascinated with the things that people were a little bit scared of. Because I think at the time, I just realized they were misunderstood. I don't know who taught me this. Maybe it was my parents or some Nat Geo documentary featuring David Attenborough. I guess that'd be BBC. <laughs> but either way, it doesn't matter. Um, I, I just loved learning about snakes and spiders and the, the slinky, uh, slithery stuff because I thought they were amazing and the rest of the world didn't. And it was my my job, my ethos at that time to show people how amazing bugs and salamanders were. <laughs> Fast forward till now, and that's kind of my travel style. While I still do a little bit with um, the natural world uh, and, and animals and, and slithery things, I just like finding strange festivals, strange locations, uh, whatever it be, cultures, 
rituals and highlighting those for the very same reason. I think a lot in this world is misunderstood. And if we understand these things, uh, we can we can make better judgments about them. But that also includes very heavily fear. A lot of our fears are just lack of information. Like, for example, we're all scared of spiders or snakes. But when in your life, if you can think of a circumstance where actually a spider hurts you, and very few people actually have a, a, a circumstance where they have had that happen. So then why are we scared of spiders? Because we've been taught to be scared of spiders, right? And there's lots of things in life from public speaking to little creepy crawlies like that. It'll kind of show the same vein. Mm, definitely, definitely. I don't think you'll get along with my mom because she hates all of those snakes and worms and all of that. Um, I actually traveled, and this is one of the places you have traveled to, uh, the Philippines for the first time two years ago. And uh, I actually watched a lot of your videos on the Philippines and all your other stuff. That helped me um, face my fear and I held a snake. So I was super hyped <laughs> about that. And that just kind of tr triggered this excitement in me to also face other things that I haven't confronted, you know. But when you were traveling, um, you know, fast forward to all these different places that you've traveled, what are some life lessons or memories you've carried with you um, from some of your travels? Yeah, I mean, I, I've been doing this for almost a decade now. Uh, so I've got a lot and I usually try to find myself in some strange scenarios. Uh, but the, the biggest thing that I've learned uh, is this, and it, it kind of ties into most stories I have, is that we hear this thing about tourist friendly destinations, whether it be Mexico oh. or Paris or especially in Europe, that these countries are tourist friendly. And you think of some place maybe like Madagascar or Pakistan where they're tourist unfriendly, right? But I've, I've learned from experience time and time again that it's basically the opposite. You go stand in a bike lane in Paris and you'll find out that people are very unfriendly very quickly. And also you go to, you go to some faraway place. Like for example, in the, in the past year I've spent time in Venezuela, Pakistan, Turkmenistan, Mauritania, Oman. I was in Socotra, Yemen just before coming uh, back here uh, to be in quarantine. So those would be all considered tourist unfriendly destinations. But I've, I've made it my, my goal to travel to these places, much for the same reason that I said is because, okay, so there are some dangerous things that happen there uh, we hear about, but how much of this information is actually true and how much just is sen sensationalized a little bit. And you find like answers and you go see what the, 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 the mugging rate and pickpocketing rate is in Spain, for example, which is supposed to be tourist friendly. It's horrendous. It's one of the worst places in the world to get pickpocketed or mugged. Um, but these things don't happen in some of these tourist unfriendly countries. And the thing is, when you go to a place like that, that gets millions of tourists every single year, uh, Local people are just kind of like, ah, you're another tourist. But you go to the mountains of Pakistan, uh, which are safe in, in the, the Karakurum area, and uh, you see local and they're, they're just flabbergasted. You're there and are excited and they'll bring you in and they'll feed you fresh yak milk or I guess goat or whatever they drink there anyway. But you get the idea. Like you're treated like a king because they just appreciate you being there. And a lot of these places that get many tourists, you're not really appreciated. Uh, and people don't really care about sharing their culture so much. Um, and that goes for America and Canada as well. We get lots of tourists here. But for myself, all of my good travel experiences have come from these countries that are misunderstood. I'm not saying bad things don't happen in some of these countries, but a lot of bad things happen in the States and in Canada and Australia and Philippines and, um, you know, Paris as well. So, or France as well. So we just don't get our information. We're not digesting our information correctly. And I love showing people what it's really like when it's misunderstood. Hmm. 
Yes, I completely agree. And with this podcast, I always encourage my audience to be curious. You know, you'll never know what's on the other side of the mountain until you actually search for yourself. Um, and I really admire the curiosity that you have in so many different cultures um, that you that you go to and visit. Um, and I really admire, I actually showed one of the episodes to my mom, um, her being from the Philippines, when you uh, visited um, the areas that are not always having the most tourists and the ones that have kind of like a bad ma- bad name towards it because of the terrorism happening there. And after she saw it, she was like, wow, like he had guts. But it's all a matter of just, you know, having an open mind, you know, leaving your heart open and um, always be willing to open to different perspectives because I always believe that we shouldn't stick on one perspective. You know, there's so many different dimensions in this world left to discover. And um, I think that's awesome that you're doing that through traveling. Yeah, um, but I also want to add that there's there's a difference between scary and dangerous, right? There are places in this, mm-hmm. in this world that are dangerous and you can't go to it as a tourist. Um, but for the example you gave um, of Mindanao, the 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 Islamic area in the south of, of Philippines, the second biggest island. I don't know how many million people live there, but it's a lot. Um, and uh, most of the world, including a lot of Filipinos, are scared to go there. And I didn't just roll in and be like, hey, guys, look at me. I'm a vlogger. Come hang out. So I made local contacts. I had a friend who was already living there, a guy. Uh, his name is Becoming Filipino, uh, Kulas. So I made local connections. I, 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 I asked people who have spent time there what it's like. And it was like, ah, yeah, there's been a couple little things. But on an island with multiple million people, you can expect a couple little things to happen, right? And so, again, gathering the correct real information. Because one thing I realized in the beginning, um, when I first wanted to travel solo, is I had some friends that said it was dangerous. My family was always pretty good. We've all been pretty adventurous. But some, especially some friends who, like, you're going to travel by yourself to where? Mm. And I was still trying to get the courage to do it. I hadn't done it yet. And I second-guessed myself for months and months and months. Uh, because I was being infected, almost like a like a virus, a fear, like it was contagious. They had it, and then they were giving it to me. Now I had it, and um, eventually I did end up going on the trip. Uh, and I realized that it was all unfounded, and that especially with travel advice, you get a lot of advice from people who don't know what they're talking about. They've seen a news article about it, and then therefore the place forever for the next twenty. 20 years, two decades, it's dangerous. It's the only reference point they have is that one reference point that one thing happened to one person and then therefore the place is labeled uh, forever. But it's like going to a, a baker uh, and asking for car advice. He might bake the most beautiful, delicious cinnamon raisin bread, but he can't help you with your car. So then why are we asking people who have never traveled the world solo or have gone to these places uh, about advice whether or not to go or whether you should go? It just doesn't make sense. And that, that's the fascination I have with these places is there's some places that, that isn't, it isn't smart to go. It is dangerous. But other places, if you just dig in a little bit, go beneath the eggshell, you can find some really authentic travel experiences that very few people have. And if you think about it, isn't that why we travel? We don't necessarily travel to catch Pokemon in the sense like we go to the Eiffel Tower, take a shot, go to the Great Wall, take a shot. Some people do travel that way. Like we're trying to collect <laughs> photos and like keep them and collect, got to collect them all. Yeah. Got to catch them all. Um, but most of us travel for something deeper. And what we're traveling for is that authentic experience. And it's really hard to get that uh, when you're surrounded by other people trying for the same thing, right? And these, these experiences are much more easily found in places where people uh, don't do this, their secondary research. 
Right. Yeah. I mean, I haven't traveled many places like you, but I hope to soon. But for the places I have traveled, either locally or by plane or car, there was not one time where I wasn't hit with that feeling of sudden gratitude, especially with experiencing um, different cultures, you know, where you're just like, wow. And it has happened while looking out, you know, into a great view. And it has also happened to me when I'm simply walking through the streets of a foreign country, you know, that great feeling of being present. present is so precious and to be amongst just people that are just like you just with a different you know a different heritage or ethnicity um so it's always important to go with an open mind and that's something I try to teach myself every day um and I try to take something with me you know not you know just souvenirs or pictures like you said but a lesson or a memory which is something you can no one can ever take away from you or can never be destroyed you know yeah So moving on to, you know, this this um, topic of fear and living a, a fearless life, you know, let's first unravel what fear is, you know, for all my psychology, uh, psychology junkies out there, you know, I'm sure you're well experienced with talking about fear um, and what it is more than what it is. You know, I'm sure you have a lot of knowledge of what it is biologically and in psychology as well. Uh, can you talk more about what fear is? You know, is it just a feeling or is it just um, an emotion? Yeah, well, I think it, it, fear goes back f- f- <laughs> forever. Like, I, I think I, we're not the only animal on the planet that feels fear. Fear is a survival response. We, we, there's something that happens in our lives. We feel, we feel threatened and our body says, okay, well, we have to survive. So let's get the F out of here. That's basically the, the fight, or, fight or flight response. We analyze whether we can fight it or we, whether we have to run away. And then we usually, in this case in day and age, we run away. Mm-hmm. And, and that's just evolved over years and years. And we don't find ourselves in life or death situations very often, but our body sometimes feels that way. And it is, it is much, it's, it's a feeling that's as much as, as, as human as love is. It's something that we all feel. It's, it's, a, it's a human as, as, as hunger. Like you can't go through life without feeling fear about something. It's, it's very, very common. But when do we ever talk about it? We don't ever talk about it. We never talk about, um, we make fun of people who are maybe a little bit cowardly. We put people up on a pedestal who are brave. We talk about fear as something that is... If you don't have it, it's good. You, if, if someone's fearless, they're brave, they're, they're a hero. We associate fearlessness with the, the hero of the story. They, they've got the courage of a lion, right? But I don't think it's a, necessarily a healthy way to think about it that way because it, 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 it gives us an idea that it's not a – these people who we put on pedestals don't feel the feeling. But the reality is when you, when you hear people talk about it, it could be a skydiver or a, a rock star. There's so many interviews and stories about these people who – are terrified when they walk on stage. And they could be world-famous icons. They're terrified right wearing that parachute for the 500th time but to, to jump off a bridge. They, 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 they know what they're doing, but they still feel the fear. They just, the only thing that's changed is not whether or not they feel the feeling, it's their relationship with it. Because they've, they've, they've flirted with it enough, they've danced with it enough to know that, okay, I'm going to expect this feeling. And it comes every time I smile and say, hey, good to see you. And I go and I jump anyway, or I sing anyway, or I play the guitar anyway. That's their relationship with it. But the majority of people, including myself for most of my life, I would feel fear. In my case, it was public speaking. <clears throat> There wasn't a person on this planet more scared than I was for, about public speaking. We'll get that to, in a sec. But 
you'd feel the fear and then you would react to it and you'd, you'd be more scared that you were scared. You'd be like, oh no, especially in the case of my uh, public speaking, you'd get more scared that you were scared. You're, you're scared that you were nervous and then you became more scared and it was this furnace of just burning fire that would rev itself up like an engine until you just would black out <laughs> mm-hmm. and go on autopilot or just not be able to control yourself. You'd shake, you'd shudder, whatever. And that's because the relationship is a terrible one. Uh, but the secret is to fix that relationship. And so my life, my story has been a bit interesting as well, that I was ridiculed in front of a classroom many times in, in grade five. And uh, from that age, you're quite malleable. So I took that to my head and became scared of being in the public eye for decades after that. And just recently, when I uh, started traveling and kind of found my my voice, I realized that it's all about the relationship with that feeling. I used to get panic attacks and all kinds of things before I thought maybe the teacher might scan the classroom to have somebody read a passage in a book. I couldn't handle it. And now over the years, by changing that relationship with it and putting myself in situations, forcibly taking public speaking classes, bungee jumping, skydiving, all these things, getting used to the presence of this in my life. Now I've been able to see it almost as a compass. Uh, Again, there's a difference between dangerous and scary. Public speaking isn't going to kill you. People might disagree with me, but bungee jumping either (laughs) is not going to kill you. (laughs) Um, There are, again, accidents in public speaking and bungee jumping, but the reality is both activities are very, very safe. And it's just the thrill, it's the anxiety you have to deal with it. And so by making yourself comfortable with, those, with that feeling, you can achieve anything. And, men, and, and many use it as a compass in their life to find the next calling they have to tackle. The thing that makes them most uncomfortable. By heading right towards that, um, you, you can accomplish great things in life. There's a hundred quotes. But one of my favorites is by a guy named Joseph, Joseph Campbell who said, um, The cave you fear to enter hides the treasure that you seek. Um, which I think is is wisdom that's been repeated in many different ways over hundreds of years. Mm. I love that. I love it when you said um, that it's a relationship. Um, I kind of did a similar episode talking about, because I talk a lot about mental health on this uh, podcast, of how you should confront and, and talk to your anxiety or the worry that you have or um, the things you haven't confronted as if it was a person. Um, I, you know, sending letters to yourself, your past self, your future self. If you worry about the future, you should talk to your future self. You know, you should talk to your present self and your past self. And that way you are more comfortable about talking about these things or thinking about these things. And one of my other fears growing up was definitely, you know, not doing enough, not experiencing enough, not doing something or contributing to the world, you know, losing my loved ones. Um, And I'm sure a lot of people can relate to those certain fears. And also traveling, like I've always wanted to travel, but I was scared of planes. I was scared of heights. And um, it was a dream of mine to just sit in a plane. But then, you know, in January uh, 2019, uh, you know, I started my podcast after I first went to the Philippines because when I was in the Philippines, it really woke me up. You know, I took um, your words of motivation and and facing my fears. I did like all the tourist stuff, you know, zip lining and holding a snake, holding a crocodile. But that kind of what that was carried with me throughout all of my trips and travels in the future. And then same with this podcast, like you, Mike, I never would have thought I would have my voice be 
in people's speakers or um, in headphones. You know, my younger self was very shy, very timid. I was not really scared of how things might come out if I spoke. I feared the response to it. You know, I grew up in an environment that was a little bit tense. So I would either get yelled at or for speaking up or yelled at for not speaking at all. So it was always that like anxiety thing. And there were times where I should have spoke up, but I didn't because I was scared. Along with your fear um, of public speaking, were there any other fears that you struggled with um, over the years or still struggle with now? Um, yeah, I guess I'm, I, I've been kind of actively working on these things for a long time. So you'll see things on my channel uh, recently, like I um, buried myself in sand for 24 hours, uh, <laughs> which I was actually a little bit scared to do that because I knew it was going to be very uncomfortable. Um, I lived in the woods by myself for a, a full week in the Canadian, um, deep Canadian woods with the bears and the moose and everything else for a week. And these are all things that I knew were going to make me uncomfortable. So I, I try to tackle those things. For myself, the woods one was quite powerful because I was scared to be alone in the woods here uh, for that long. I mean, I, but again, Why? So there's animals, that's true. Um, but again, with the right precautions and, and, and safety equipment and things in mind, a lot of these things are, are dangerous. Like if you went rock climbing uh, with no ropes, that's very dangerous. But if you have someone there who knows how it works and they're all harnessed up or you learn how it works, it's not dangerous at all, right? It, it's just no danger than driving a car, that's for sure, because driving a car is something we do every day that is horrifyingly dangerous. We just brush that off like it's nothing. But when, with that knowledge, that, then you can, you, if with that approach, you can do a lot of amazing things. And I guess if I've been blessed with anything, it's, it's with a rational mind. Maybe so, I did a science degree uh, in university. Maybe that helped. But looking at things with the facts. And if the facts are solid, my mind can think whatever crazy thing it wants. But the reality is that it's proven that it's not that. And so then it's a whether it's just it's basically an opinion at that point, not a fact. Right? So... Uh, um, the woods one was quite difficult for me uh, in the beginning, but I went in there. There, there are some bears here, um, not grizzlies, but black bears and brown bears, which again have called, caused some problems. But the, you keep the food away from camp. You bring some spray and you make sure you make some noise and understand why there might be a problem. Like you get in the middle between them and their cubs. They don't like that very much, but what, what mother would like that anyway, right? So just mm -hmm. sing some awkward songs as you walk around the woods by yourself and that solves the problem, so... <laughs> uh, yeah, so, so yeah, that and some, the, the, the epitome of this, which I did, um, just a year and a half ago, which is maybe a TMI for this podcast, but I, I, this idea that this, these things come up with these ideas that I have and for content or for personal challenges. And, and I, and I, at first off, and I say, oh, that's too crazy. I can't do that. Then I say, well, why not? And then if I don't have a good reason, then I'm like, well, then you should probably do it because you're just scared of it and there's no reason. And this, this, this thing, uh, which might seem very extreme, and maybe it was, was um, this thing called body suspension. And I had this friend who, um, who was a, uh, she's a hometown friend from here. And I was following her on Instagram and she was always into like tattoos and piercings. But she started posting about um, like hanging by hooks, like from your back, oh. which is cra it's crazy. It's crazy, right? It's crazy. <laughs> And I first saw it and I was like, that is crazy. And so I, I saw a couple of posts and I messaged her and I was like, what is this exactly? Oh my God. 
and she wrote this big beautiful post about like okay it looks shocking but understand this has been practiced all over the world by many different tribes in North America and India thousands of years and it's this human experience to rid yourself of, of negative energy and while yeah that's subjective I mean you just you can't you can't understand it until you try and it's very safe and i'm like is it really safe you're hanging but then i started thinking about like yeah well i guess the worst thing that's going to happen is you're going to get like a dirty needle right that's serious um but you're only suspended like a foot off the ground so and if you if it rips god forbid you're going to get a scar but i'm already completely covered in tattoos and i already have lots of scars that i'm kind of proud of so then really what am i scared of at that point right because it's weird because it's gross because it might hurt a little bit and then, then that's when I get in trouble with myself because I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Because I live this brand, Pauline. Like this, this, is, this is my life. And I don't recommend people do these things like bury themselves in sand or body suspension. But using the mentality and the formulations that I have to, to conquer these things, there was, there's no risk Right? Mm-hmm. Unless unless it's prepared poorly, but these people are they, they, they are highly certified uh, tattoo artists and piercing artists. They know exactly how to handle bloodborne diseases and needles and all that kind of stuff. So there's no there's no risk there. And then I say, Oh my god, oh my god, because I know I'm gonna make myself do it. And I did. And it was I wouldn't do it again. <laughs> but and, and it was very painful. But it was the embodiment of this idea that whatever doesn't hurt you makes you stronger and it's a misunderstood and you really did feel like I was emotional. You feel like like the negativity of the world is literally lifted off your shoulders and you are you were literally flying. It's 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 painful, but it's one of the most beautiful feelings I've ever felt. Um, And they people speak so highly about it as this cathartic life changing experience. And it it, it is again, um, it hurts and I don't recommend it. But that's the idea is analyzing the real risks about something. And in that case, it was like, I'm more likely to hurt myself driving to this appointment than I am actually with this crazy activity, right? Like that's that's the, the, the true blood facts right there. And then so because it's my brand, um, and that's a very extreme example of it, um, I go through with it. And so, so again, I have some interesting stories because of this, but I, I really do think because I've learned through experience that if you're scared of something and you smash into it with the aggressiveness of a wild hyena, um, good things happen in your life. And honestly, I made that content. It was controversial, but it, oh. it changed a lot in my life for the better. The video didn't didn't get a million views, of course. It's very it's a very selective audience that wants to watch that. But the reactions from my loved ones and uh, the people who did see it, like it was one of the most powerful things I ever did, um, and uh, ended up getting me work. I didn't think it would get me any work, but it got me some unrelated work because they're like, oh, "We saw this video. It's crazy." Hey, do you want to go talk at our conference about something? Not that, Perfect. but something else. <laughs> But it's like the ultimate proving of the point, right? Like it was the ultimate demonstration of this thing that I believe. And uh, anyway, I, 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 it's my religion now. I, I really think it's the way to live. Ugh, that is beautiful to hear. Wow. I'm glad you're alive and well. <laughs> but um, it's interesting that you talk about, you know, when we take these essential steps to living a life without fear, there are some precautions that you have to take. Uh, for those who kind of want to, 
step out of their comfort zone for those who are listening um what are some don'ts like what are some common mistakes we might take um when confronting our fears if there's any yeah totally and i i think the the biggest mistake is assuming that these people who do these things that you could never dream of doing don't feel fear and we all very Mm. much feel fear i feel fear before i step onto a stage i feel fear a professional tv host on bbc and youtuber when i pull out that camera in front of 50 people to say something silly like i think this this is a feeling that that we have and you will have it and there's no difference the only difference between myself or anybody else who has decided to confront their fears is that you just feel it and you're like oh my god okay we're doing it anyway and, and mm-hmm. getting almost like a sick pleasure out of that eventually. Just understanding like, this is my body saying, don't do this. I know it's safe. I know it's going to make me better. And we're going to go for it. Then, okay, for example, another mistake, you fail. You stutter, you pee your pants, and you black out while giving your presentation, right? So um, that is a very difficult thing to deal with. That's also a very extreme example. But the reality is, I think, putting too much pressure on how you did not what you did. So what I mean is, so you're not going to be a natural on the first day doing something you're scared of. You're going to be awkward, clunky, whatever. But the success isn't how you did that day. The success is realizing that most people wouldn't do it anyway. They'll act cool in the back. They'll like, you know, cross their arms with the sunglasses on at the party and they won't actually, they won't actually step up and do the thing because they're, people are just really obsessed with looking cool when they're terrified. You know, that's go to like any high school or any freshman party there's gonna be people there who are in the back trying their best to look cool meanwhile they're just terrified you know this is part of being a human being trying to fit into the social society we have the thing is like putting the success on you did it so the second you stand up to that podium for the example of public speaking or touch that snake or whatever it be that is the success you decided to do it and you followed through and the the parade should sound the bells because that was the success and let's say you don't ace it that's fine thing is that is one massive step and you can always do better the next time but i have a hard time and i think you will have a hard time hopefully after listening to this podcast dealing with your mind after you turn something down that you know you could have done and only because you were scared and i don't think that's the decision that you want to be that you're going to be happy with in the future if you know that talking to that cute girl or guy or going to asking for a raise or you know giving the, the the talk at your best friend's wedding is going to terrify you and you say no you're going to feel way better if you say yes flub it a bit act cool um because let's here's a third a third thing is if you do choose to do this thing that scares you telling everyone you're afraid and that you're that you're scared or that you messed up or that you made a mistake i was in break dancing for a long time and one of the lessons you learned very first week in break dancing is don't acknowledge mistakes so you go down you do like a little flippy thing you twist you fall on your back and you jump back up and you're like yeah and everyone's <laughs> like yeah and if you do the same thing twist land your back oh shit i messed up <laughs> everyone's like oh we messed up and they, oh were you okay and then it gets all weird but same thing with public speaking you 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 lose where you are and then like five seconds goes by which feels like five hours if you're speaking of silence and you go, oh, I, um, I lost my spot here on the slides. Uh, then it gets really awkward. But if you just mm. keep walking and then just say, and then catch back up or just say sounds with your mouth, most people aren't listening anyway, it'll all come back. 
and then boom, no one will even know. They'll think it was intentional. The second you acknowledge that you made a mistake that, or that you're scared, people will realize you're scared. But the reality is people don't really notice and it's never as bad as you think it is. You know, they don't see you shaking, or you don't hear your breath quaking as much, and again, public speaking, um, as much as you think they do. And if you don't acknowledge it, many people won't even notice. And yes. th- th- and so with with that on your side, with understanding success is just standing up there, understanding it's not acknowledged mistakes. It, it it's really you can do amazing things uh, without much pressure. It's only you making the pressure. You know, the the standard for for people fighting their fears is very low. And just by going out there um, and proving to yourself, because fear's a bit of a bully that if you teach yourself that it's okay to turn away, you'll continue to turn away. But you have to stand up and say, I'm not doing that anymore. And then go for it. And know that it's going to feel awkward. Expect it to show up and expect it to feel awkward, but to do it anyway. I couldn't agree with more. Very well said. I just love how, well, not love, but uh, how fear can apply to so many things. Um, and fear of failure is a big one that you mentioned that I think a lot of us um, can experience, especially I, I told my my followers this, that uh, these past weeks I've been super productive and and then I went to a, eventually a burnout and then I just didn't really, really want to do anything work-related. And then I was thinking, I was like, man, like, am I going to do this? Am I going to overwork myself all the time? But also I don't want to face a wall of failure that I didn't do enough or, you know, that I'm not doing enough. And that made me think about all the other people out there who, you know, we're trying to remain productive with this quarantine. We want to be productive. We want to kind of keep up with habits, make these habits, have these bullet journals, these nice notes and everything. And then we don't, we don't do it or we don't, you know, accomplish these things. And a lot of people will be afraid of the next day because they are, are afraid that they won't accomplish it again or they won't make that number one task, that number one goal that they had. Um, and then I just told, you know, everyone that everyone's success comes in different different paces and, and that you, we need to reward or acknowledge um, the little things that we are able to accomplish, that we were able to accomplish in our day-to-day. Fears come in different shapes and sizes. You know, I think we should definitely uh, recognize and acknowledge these small accomplishments that we do in our days. Or with what's happening right now in our present, you know, if we have certain things that we're not happy about or we're not satisfied about, what are you going to do from that? You know, what are your actions afterwards? And I think that's important and um, awesome that you mentioned that it's our reaction of what we will do with our scenarios and our situations in our life. So that was that was really good. It's it's hard though, right? And there's I see um I see a lot of posts now uh, not getting mad at yourself for not getting things done, and mm. I I, yes. I feel a little bit weird about those because at the same time I think it's it's important to understand that every everyone's workflow has changed, uh, but at the okay. same time I don't think you should just pat yourself on the back because you didn't do what you were supposed to. I don't think you should get mad at yourself. Um, but I think th- you can find ways to tweak your, your days to, f- to, to, to work for you uh, or work with you. Because everyone, like for example, last week for me, didn't get a lot of stuff done. And I was a little bit hard on myself too. Um, but at the same time, I realized, okay, well, I have to change something. Like why didn't I get, why didn't I get something done today? And I had, a, I had a glass of rum in the evening and I, I just sat and I put on some music. And I just like just wrote stuff. Like everything on my mind right now just made a giant list of stuff. Everything that I, that I needed to do. And that felt really good. 
And then I came across this idea called gamification, which is something that I, I've been trying to work this week. And so far, in, in one day, it's felt great. <laughs> maybe, okay. maybe we'll see uh, after the end of the week. But it's the idea that we, um, I realize I don't keep track of all the things I do. Right, So you'll do all these things in the day and you don't get that big thing done and you feel like you didn't do anything. But the reality is you had a lot of like, you, you know, you, re- you responded to those emails or you, you know, you fixed the bed leg or all. There's, there's things that you do, but you don't keep track of those. The thing is, like, I think the human mentality works on streaks. And I, at least you see that with people working out or like Duolingo or pick any of these things that you get rewards for, for doing it often and all the time. And this idea of gamification, which is like turning things into a game because our minds love games, is, is this. So like for myself, something I tried is I, I made different tasks in my day worth different amounts of points. And every day I'm looking to get to 10 points. And so, for example, waking up and I'm, right now I'm, I'm trying this thing where I wake up at 4.30 and I go for a run no matter what. And that's just, I'm making a YouTube video about it. But also I realized I was getting a little bit potatoey around the midsection and a bit <laughs> lacking of discipline. Um, and so I decided this was what I'm going to do. And the fact I'm making a video about it does kind of help the motivation. But for me, myself, that's three points right off the back. So, and also making my bed. So it's waking up at 4.30, making my bed, and then going for that. It's not even, it's like a, a jog for like three kilometers, like two miles. It's not even that big of a deal, but just doing that. I'm trying to get to 10 points and then eating clean, eating no sugar is another like two points and everything's in my life's associated with different amounts of points, getting work done, whatever. I can make a task worth a certain amount of points. And then at the end of the day, I don't have to make 10 points, but it feels really good to make 10 points. And if I'm already at seven, then I feel like I, you know, I can do a few more things to, to, to kind of get it to 10. And that's helped me so much in this one and a half days so far. <laughs> mm. But I think, I think it is trying, because again, I didn't have the most productive week uh, last week either. And I think it is possible, but you have to try to find new ways to play with, play with your brain and play with your space. Yeah, I truly believe that it's our system. Like, do we have a good system? Like we always, we're always focused on the end goal or the last thing we want to accomplish, but do you have a system to get there? You know, like losing a hundred pounds is a big goal, but what are you doing to get there? But currently, you know, uh, we live in a world of great uncertainties, like I said, and fear of the future with this virus and everything. And I hate to bring it up, but, you know, I think it's very essential that we talk about it too. Um, how do you see traveling in the future with all of this happening, especially with you, it being your job? <laughs> I think there's different Mm, different answers depending on why you're traveling. So I think tr- my job, just touching briefly, I don't think will continue this year. I think traveling and creating content about traveling in real time is probably RIP for, for the rest of the year because I don't think it's, it's going to be socially acceptable to recommend people to travel. Uh, who knows? Things, things change so often, right? From, from week to week to month to month right now. Um, but traveling, I don't think is going to be that much of a problem. I think there's going to be some considerations you, you have to keep in mind for your safety, but mostly the safety of others. Um, and there will be some extra measures. But this is what I see. Um, while I, I might not be able to make content about it um, personally, wouldn't it be really cool to go to Machu Picchu and have nobody there, for example? I think there's going to be some really good deals in travel and you're going to be able to see some of these wonders of the world, both man-made and natural, um, with nobody. And if you go see them this time last year, like I think Machu Picchu gets like 3,000 people a day or something like that. 
who knows about things like uh, Angkor Wat or some of the temples in Thailand. But I think there's an opportunity now to see some of the wonders of the world almost empty. Not now, maybe not next month, but soon. Um, again, while staying, staying safe and taking precautions and, and following the advisories. But you think of countries like, uh, for example, um, Cambodia again. I, I went there for my first time about six, seven years ago, met a local guide who was a private guy that was his full-time income was guiding people around. I have a bit of special requirements because I'd have to have photos and stuff. So I usually get a, a private guide to help me make the videos. And he was the nicest guy ever. And he uh, was just having a second kid and was had carved a nice little life out for himself um, in Cambodia. Cambodia, by the way, is like it was completely ravaged by a genocide in the 70s and um, has still have, hasn't really recovered. It's still a very underdeveloped country, but houses some of the most incredible temples that no one really talks about, which are the Angkor Wat temples. There's thousands of these crumbling, actually made famous by the Tomb Raider movies with Angelina Jolie, but there's these inc- incredible, incredible things that are extremely busy. So what, what happens to him now, my friend? The country runs off tourism. Um, and now there's no tourism. He messaged me and he's like, Mike, I can't even buy rice for my family. There's no work for the people. There's no tourism. And this guy did nothing wrong. He, he was, he's the nicest man. He's worked really hard, carved his own little business out of, out of nothing. Had to, and now he, now he can't even feed his kids. Like, oh my God. And so he was, he was desperately asking me for any kind of money just so he could float. I just think about, that's one story out of millions of stories around the world. Maybe even a billion stories around the world of people in these developing countries that maybe not now, but maybe soon, will be completely struggling because the lack of tourism, the lack of um, just money flowing through the world right now. And so I think about going back to Cambodia or, or Peru or any of these countries that are, are very important for tourism because I don't know if the locals are, can make it. And I don't know if the government's going to help them. They're going to have to start eating gophers or something. Like I, I don't, we'll have to go back to hunter-gatherer days because no one ever expected for tourism to stop, right? Yeah. Especially not just like, okay, one day good and then like one week later, nothing. Not, I mean, maybe like a slow wind down so people could have, okay, well, maybe it's been a bad year again this year. Maybe we should plant some quinoa fields. No, it's like just from, from 100 to zero, boom. And I just think that these countries are going to need tourism. And, and while maybe people won't be able to come to Canada or the United States, I think countries like Mexico or Thailand, um, they're going to have to open their borders because it's, such an, it's so economically important to have foreigners going in and then again yeah. staying safe and, and trying trying our best but who knows like right the, the virus could mutate it could get much worse it could get much better it's, it's hard it's hard to tell but i'm not discounting travel for the average person going for a holiday uh this year um but for the content creator to go recommend people to travel i think i think it's done <laughs> you know although it's very um unfortunate with all of these casualties happen happening and all of these things um it's also a wake-up call for all of us um, to kind of 
see all of these developing countries that are in need you know we're here very comfortable in our lives and there's a time where we need to kind of step back and see what else is happening in the world that's why you know with traveling are so many different activities you can do to kind of practice self-awareness and what's happening around you you know my takeaway from this virus was definitely like prioritizing and also noticing the things around us that we don't always notice Mm-hmm. And the rest of the world doesn't have the luxury to sit in their beautiful air-conditioned house or heated house and watch Netflix. Yeah. Uh, like I, I was in in um, on Socotro, the island of Socotro, before this, a very remote place. And um, my girlfriend's still there now, and she's getting a bit of heat about people how she's not self-isolating there. She's been there for two and a half months now. But it's like you have to understand that there's places in this world that like you can't that can't happen. You know, yeah. people go fish they bring fish to the village they their life depends on them selling the fish other people don't have food in their house and they have to go buy the fish and they or drive the car like there's just there's we're so we're lucky to be able to isolate and quarantine when if you were starving and you had to go to the fish market or go harvest the field to bring the grain like you you don't have the option right you don't have the option to do that and um, I think in those countries, I don't know what the fate for those countries are. And the, th- the funny thing is, the more we're counting the virus, the, like, for example, there's a, over a million cases in the States or something like that. But that's because they're counting everybody, right? They're not counting everybody in, in India, right? Like, and who knows what China's numbers are? No one knows. But you're not, you're not counting the numbers in a lot of these places. And therefore, we're not getting to know the real situation about it. And that's really important. If there's a thousand cases reported and a hundred deaths, that's a really big deal. But if there's a million unreported, un- uncounted, and there's still a hundred deaths, well, that's kind of a different story, right? And so I still think, still think there's so much more to learn and so much more for the scientists to, to discover and, and collaborate on to really understand the, the final risk level of what's happening in the world right now. Yeah, I'm, I'm just, I'm glad that you mentioned that kind of sending encouragement for hope to people who have been traveling and had to suddenly pause everything. Um, so seeing it in that view is definitely um, encouraging. So thank you for saying that because I didn't know how it would feel because I'm not a, you know, a full-time traveler, but I couldn't imagine for those who, um, you know, just trying to make a living out of what they're doing. So uh, for travelers to be able to contribute to that and help that, I think is amazing. But on a better note, (laughs) as we close, (laughs) um, I just had one last question for you, Mike. Um, What is the most rewarding thing about your job? Uh, What is some feedback that you've gotten from your audience that you take with you that kind of keeps you going? Uh, Like, I'm not I'm not in this to uh, to show what I had for lunch and talk about um, (laughs) things that are that, that I don't feel are relevant. Uh, I'm I'm an, an introvert by nature, if you can believe that. I think maybe transferred more into an ambivert at this point. I can turn it on, turn it off. But I've never been one that that feels like I I want to share everything. I just want to share things that that can change people's lives because I feel like I have to give back. Because years ago there were some people who helped influence my life, and I want to help people influence. I want to help influence people's lives. And so when I get messages from for example, there's a guy who's been messaging me, showing me photos from his public speaking class he just took and talking about how scared he was, but he didn't anyway, and he didn't know if people were paying attention or not, but it didn't matter because he got up there anyway, and he stuttered and lost his way, but he was so happy that he just did it, and he was excited and scared for his next talk. Like, that, that's, that's why, because I've been there. I know that feeling. 
with your breath shaking and your hands quaking and you just don't think you can do it, but you're like, I'm going to do it. And then you do it and you just feel like the, it's, if you could bottle that up into a uh, drink or encapsulate it into a pill, it would be a drug everybody would want to take because it is when you when you punch through fear like that and only you can do that. You can't get anyone else to help it. I can talk to people about it. You can talk to people about it. They can listen to this podcast and repeat, but ultimately it's up to them to just decide in the moment to do it. And that is a defining day of your entire life. And when I see people do it, that's that that makes it all worth it for me. Uh, that's 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 why I do it. Mm-hmm. That's wonderful. Um, it's more on you know if we talk about success or greatness, it's being inspired and then being able to inspire. You know, and um, I think that's definitely what you've done in that. Something that I try to do on my podcast, um, this podcast isn't really for me, it's for other people. Having people like you um, to be able to be vulnerable and share your experience with other people is definitely changing. You know, it won't change the world in 24 hours, but, you know, it's all about planting that seed for everyone to to do it as well. So, yeah, thank you so much, Mike. Uh, did you have anything else to add um, before, if you want to put any plug in, no, I, I'm just sitting back and, and making more content. Uh, if you want to check out my work, it's just fearless and far, uh, basically everywhere. And if you like it a lot, I have a Patreon page where I post some more behind the scenes stuff on on fear. So if you're looking to fight some fears or just see some very strange and exciting travel content, then you know where to find me. Awesome. Well, there you go, guys. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. If you learned something and you took something with you, uh, please share it with all your friends, your family. Um, I know we live in kind of scary times right now, but I know we can all get through it together. Um, Again, follow Mike at Fearless and Far. He has amazing content. And uh, yeah, let's continue to support one another through this trial. And don't forget to always love, to always be curious, and to always ponder, guys.